Well, hey you, hello there, every person, everywhere. Well, hello again, everybody. My name is Lynn. I'm your host for Every Person Everywhere. And this is stuff that you can relate to, hopefully. So, one of these days I might go back and edit every episode and put in an actual theme song that I've recorded, but until I feel like spending money on doing so, probably not, honestly. Um, or maybe I'll make it a full song for my band and I'll put it on the album and just take a snippet for the episode. So that way I don't feel like I'm spending money on the podcast. I'm spending money I would have otherwise spent, but I digress. As far as other personal endeavors that I've got going on, I just spent most of my afternoon recording the audiobook for the book I've published until the last memory fades. It was in this little bookie that I talked about all of my experiences as a professional working with individuals living with dementia and also the experiences of the layperson living with dementia and their family members. You see, I went out into the field back in 2017 and early 2018 and I did life review and um, reminiscence therapy of sorts with about 13 people who are living with dementia. And I've noticed that a lot of people are consuming less and less physical book and more and more audiobook. Hence, people listening to podcasts and the like. So, what I'm planning on doing is releasing an audiobook on Kindle and uh, iHeartRadio and Apple. And it's going to be available for low cost. And obviously, there will be bonuses for you if you are a subscriber of any of those services discounts at Aradum, but I'm very looking forward to editing this down and getting it out to everybody. So without further ado, I'm actually going to take this episode to talk a bit more about exactly that. So where do I start? Of course, I told you before about how I became an occupational therapist and a nursing student and uh, why I chose that life path or whatever. I never really told you what I did for employment in the spaces in between. Well, I worked in retail, I worked in a coffee shop, and I loved it very much. I loved giving people caffeine and making them smile. It was very rare that I had any complaints except from management, because management always likes to bicker and moan about something now, don't they? And I can say that considering that I plan on going into position of leadership and management myself one day. I will, I will be very fully aware that people will bicker and moan about something that I do or another. And, you know, that's just the nature of the game. I'm going to try to keep people happy. But that also goes back as to why I'm approaching it from the perspective of the person of compassion, the clinical professional, and not just some random healthcare manager that just went to school strictly for a management degree. Because you do learn how to manage people whilst being a therapist from all aspects. And this includes people that you're working to make better and your coworkers that are helping to make these people better. I started getting my first taste of this when I worked in the coffee shop. I then got another taste of it when I started being managed and learning how to manage while I worked in a restaurant as a host and a food server. I didn't stay there very long because it dawned on me that once my mental health was starting to improve, I should really try and get some sort of actual formal experience in healthcare. So I started applying to jobs after I had a job again, 
in non-retail, non-insert, uh, non-skilled staffing here that I've talked about uh, long ends before. And relevant experience in healthcare. I knew I needed to enter the world of healthcare sooner rather than later. So that way, whatever future jobs I had, I could use that to leverage a better salary or leverage a better position or better benefits or whatever. And also, it just made sense. It was what I was going to be partially doing one day anyhow as a nurse, or as I would come to find out that I would later turn into an occupational therapist. So it just made sense for me to become a certified nursing assistant, and before that, a personal care attendant. So that's how I discovered, truly for the first time, the dementia population. So for those that aren't aware, and I spoke again at great length in my book which you should go and check out until the last memory fades dementia is a ruthless ruthless disease it has a genetic component but it really could happen to anybody for any myriad of reasons normally it happens to people that have a lot of stress you know eat a lot of really bad foods whatever get too little exercise smoke drink whatever but there's also people that are completely healthy and also don't have genetic markers that develop dementia if I remember correctly, something of about 30% of individuals over the age of 80 will have some form of dementia, which is terrifying when you think about it. That's well over one in four people in their 80s. So you sort of have to roll a die and hope you don't get so lucky as to be in that population. And so people often downplay what they just simply do not understand and especially if it could potentially pertain to them one day. And, you know, that's how satire happens and formulates. That's why there was so much stipulation when individuals who are transgender came to be more prominent because people made fun of the quote-unquote man lady. It's the same with dementia. They're seen as and portrayed as by media as being kooky, crazy, forgetful old people. And, oh, dearie me, I've forgotten again. And that kind of stuff. But the truth is much more gruesome as I'd come to research. A disease that there's no cure for. That slowly strips you of who you are as a person. I can't think of anything more terrifying. Because I have a very good long-term memory. So the idea of no longer having that scares the life out of me. But it's reality for several hundred thousand Americans and several dozens of millions of individuals globally. It's terrifying. How'd I get involved? One of the interviews that I had, they invited me to shadow where I could potentially be working. It was in the secured slash locked environment in which individuals living with dementia peacefully lived out their days. Some of them frequently visited, others forgotten in time. Always misunderstood, even by the very people that worked with them sometimes. And something clicked in me. Something changed in me that day. Every idea I had about individuals living with dementia would cease to exist and it would change in an instant nothing I knew about dementia anymore as I knew it was true.
They were people. Real people with real emotions, real fears, real fears, real energy, real concerns, and very real imaginations and memories. And so I went home and I thought about whether or not I really wanted to do this. And whereas I personally never saw myself wiping anybody's behind, I knew these people needed me. And I knew that somehow, subconsciously, I knew that I needed them as well. I knew that they had something that they could teach me about human behavior. You see, individuals with bipolar disorder and other pervasive and persistent mental illnesses have a higher rate of dementia. And also sometimes in losing themselves to their disease can have some symptoms that mimic dementia. So when I realized this, I inadvertently saw a lot of myself in them, knowing that I was still at that point in time very psychologically unwell. I knew that they would be critical in my recovery story. I can't really explain how or why. They just, they were. I knew then and there. Like I said in the previous season, you always know who you are as a person with your personality type. If you're intuitive, you follow your gut, and I did just that. And so, for the next five years or so until I went to grad school, I worked very, very heavily with individuals living with dementia. Even when I was on a regular floor, I still actually very much longed to be back beside them, learning their stories. How did I get an idea for a book? Which leads me to the next part of the story. When my own life has started falling apart and I needed an idea of where I was going next with it, I realized that as a shift worker, when I could pick up shifts whenever I wanted to, I needed to go back to the unit to get more ideas when I was at my lowest psychologically, just as they are sometimes. And I was thinking of maybe writing a book. I didn't know what I was going to write about. But then Dr. Mary Ligon at York College of Pennsylvania introduced me to a model that she's doing research on alongside many others called Life Review. It's basically a glorified form of lifelong reminiscence therapy in which you're reminiscing with the individual about who they are, sometimes with assistance of a loved one, but talking about their life story. Why? The studies are showing that when you look at Erickson's theory of human development in the last stage, which is ego integrity or despair. People that had this ability to reflect on the good things they had done in their life, regardless of what medical conditions they might have, had much higher rates of ego integrity and much lower rates of despair. So it made sense. Just like it makes sense to do reminiscence therapy. <clears throat> if you can remember things that make you happy, that unlocks a window. I did it by accident one day. I was walking a lady who I will call Melissa, we'll say. I was walking Melissa from the activity room down a very long corridor to the dining room for dinner. 
and she dropped her walker to one side and stood there with balance like I had never seen her do before because of her mobility issues. She outstretched both arms, looked to an invisible audience in front of her at the end of the corridor and said, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Melissa Walker, name redacted, and today we are going to have lots of fun together. Now, before this moment, the most I heard was mama mama come on mama we gotta go 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 get 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 it mama and then when we would do personal care with her she would try and claw and scratch and punch and bite us and then curse us out but that was the extent of it this is the most formative english i had heard out of this woman in the two and a half years i worked with her and so i talked to her informal caregiver when not at the facility who was her son who was on the board of advisees at a school district somewhere else in Pennsylvania. He was visiting for dinner. And I said to him, insert name here, we'll just say his name is James. James, I just wanted to let you know that today I talked with your mom. And he said, yeah, we've been trying to do more and more with her and chat with her about things she likes. Hence why we gave her the blanket for you guys to give her to cuddle and stuff. Because blankets were something that she liked a lot. And I said, okay. When's the last time she spoke full sentences to you? He said the same, probably about two years ago. Every now and then, he'd get something. Otherwise, she was lost in the sauce, as some people might say. And I told her about this interaction I had with her. His eyes, like fire, stared into the distance thousands of miles away, and his jaw hit the floor. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, that's the most anybody's gotten out of her in several years. Not only that, though, but Lynn, that's how she would greet her elementary school class every single morning for 30 years. She was an elementary school teacher, and that's exactly what she would say to them. And I went, well, I don't know what I did or how I did it, but I want to know how I did it, and I want to know more. I didn't get a chance to interview him and her before she was transferred to a different facility. But that was the idea of how I could build myself up again. I became a certified dementia practitioner. I reached out to so, so many nursing homes, so, so many community events, and to the professor, Dr. Ligon herself, until eventually I formulated enough evidence on the people from the clinical perspective to publish the first half of the book but I still needed to know their lives inside and out. And so I spoke with the help of Jennifer Holcomb across Keys Village in Southern Pennsylvania. I did speak with 13 or so individuals living with dementia. And I learned about their lives. Jackie Poole in England, Tipa Snow in America, of which I've talked briefly to both of you, wherever you are, I hope that my contribution to this conversation makes you smile. See, both of these women that have gone before me greatly inspired my master's level thesis on dementia and reminiscence therapy and greatly inspired my practice as a dementia practitioner. So, where am I at with it all now? I now work currently at the time of recording this episode in an aging in place facility. What this means is I go to people's homes or wherever facility they're at in general 
and I see them there. And I help them figure out what's going to keep them healthy, alive, safe, and well, and what's going to help them successfully age in their preferred location. A fancy way of saying I'm, I'm a home therapist, and I love it. I'm a certified fall prevention specialist. I'm a certified dementia practitioner as alongside being an occupational therapist. I eventually will get my certification to be a certified aging in place specialist and to be a certified psychiatric rehabilitative professional. And so, so many more qualifications I find as I'm able to apply them to myself. Uh, Part of the business idea that I've briefly mentioned before involves burnout for those people living with dementia and those caring for people living with dementia. I cannot wait to see where this journey takes me. All I know, though, is that I'm not doing it alone. And so that is another journey that I took as a person outside of, you know, working and uh, working on these stories and working on the podcast and so many other things. It's been a very busy couple of years and months and even weeks, but I think it's all coming together. Without further ado, I will now segue into the final two season or two uh, final two episodes of this season talking about California and Hawaii. So tell me, when was the last time you met somebody living with dementia? And what kind of lesson did they embark on you? And how profound was it? And what did you do with that lesson and that information? I can't wait to hear from you. And to this, I add my sacred and beautiful silence.